Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Seven weeks ago, we started this crossbound journey with Jesus leaving Galilee, the area of Nazareth, on his way to Jerusalem. And we're told that, that he set his face toward Jerusalem. He resolutely went to the cross. And now today, we've made it to that cross. Good Friday, where our crossbound Savior hangs on a tree for each one of us. Today, the impact, again, is felt right here, that death of Jesus. If you think about it, there have been some impactful deaths that have happened in our world. You think about assassinations and what they do to the countries in which they happen or ones that have even started world wars. But isn't it fair to say there is no death more impactful than the death of Jesus? 2,000 years ago, a preacher, a teacher, a healer was executed on a Roman cross. And yet, here we are today gathered on the Friday that marks that death because his death still impacts us today. The death of Jesus still matters to you and me because of what happened on that cross. That's what's good about Good Friday, what Jesus accomplished as he hung on the cross. And so today, as we look at Luke's words in Luke chapter 23, again, we'll see the death of Jesus. And there are four things that Luke highlights in those short verses. The darkness on the land, the temple curtain being torn in two, Jesus' words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and the centurion's comment that Jesus was a righteous man. I'd like to spend just a little time thinking about each one of those today on this Good Friday. Listen again to Luke telling us about the darkness. Maybe this isn't working. There we go. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining. If you follow the Gospels and you kind of put them all together, you realize that Jesus made it to the cross, the site of his crucifixion, at about nine in the morning. That's what Mark's Gospel tells us. And you remember what happened between the meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples and him arriving at Golgotha, the place of the skull for his crucifixion. It was really a series of trials that lasted all night long that culminated in Jesus being ordered to be executed and carried out to that place of execution at Golgotha. But then as Jesus hung on the cross, something remarkable happened. From noon until three, three whole hours, the sun stopped shining. It was dark. The word in the original Greek language for the sun stopped is the word that we get our English word eclipse from. And so I suppose there might be people who say, well, there was just a natural occurrence. There must have been something that was lined up at that time for the sun's light to be blocked out. But this was an unnatural event. And we see that in the text because it surrounds very clearly the three hours leading to Jesus' death. So maybe we could ask ourselves, why darkness? Why would God do that? Why in the middle of the day, I mean, can you imagine if you would have come to church today and all of a sudden at noon, as you were walking up the stairs, everything went completely dark? You'd probably want an explanation. 
maybe a little bit frightening. But there's a reason that God brought the darkness. I think there's at least three reasons that we can find from Scripture why darkness on Good Friday. The first one is that it fulfills an Old Testament prophecy. In Amos chapter 8, verse 9, God said this, In that day I will make the sun go down at noon and darken earth in broad daylight. It's exactly what happened at Jesus' crucifixion. But there's a second reason as well. There's a lot of symbolism in the Bible surrounding equating darkness with sin. The Bible talks about people walking in darkness who have seen a great light when Jesus arrives. That description of us walking in darkness, being in the darkness of sin, goes through all of Scripture. A third reason we could give is it's symbolic also of God's wrath. God pouring out his judgment is often referred to as judgment day or a day of darkness. And we know that's what was happening on that cross. It's one of the things that makes Good Friday hard, isn't it? Is that when we look at Jesus hanging on the cross, we can't even imagine the suffering, the horror that he's going through. And then comes the realization that it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And not just one of us, not just each of us individually, but collectively the sins of the entire world were piled on Jesus as he suffered the wrath of God on that cross. Every sin of anger, every worry, every unkind word, everything that we've ever done, Jesus took to the cross on Good Friday. And in that we start to see why we call this Friday good. Second thing that Luke tells us about it's the temple curtain. The, temple, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, Luke says. In Matthew's gospel, it tells us it was torn in two from top to bottom. And so just a little review about this temple curtain. What you see on the screen is a rendition of what Herod's temple would have looked like in Jesus' day. It was at least in the same pattern of Solomon's temple from 700 years earlier. And bore a lot of likenesses to the tabernacle that God first gave. But here's the curtain we're talking about. If you can see it, I'll do it on this side too. That's the curtain. The curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place. That's the curtain that was torn in two from top to bottom. So we can ask ourselves, why? Maybe first, why did that curtain exist? The curtain was there actually for the benefit of God's people, to spare them from God's wrath and judgment. Because prior to Herod's temple, when we were back in Solomon's temple and in the tabernacle, it was God's presence that was there in the most holy place. Do you remember that the priest could enter that most holy place only once a year on the great day of atonement? And on that day, the priest had to bring blood of a ram and sprinkle it on the atonement cover, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the entire Israelite nation. And in that day alone, could the priest go in and stand before God without judgment? You see, what that, that curtain symbolized was a separation that exists. A separation that, by nature, keeps us away from God. Isaiah said it this way in his 59th chapter, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. That's what that curtain stood for. 
And isn't it amazing that at the death of Jesus, from top to bottom, that curtain was torn in two, rendered useless, removing the separation between God and people. And again, Luke tells us this to remind us why we call this Good Friday good. The separation between you and God is taken away. It's taken away because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Look at what Luke says next. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Again, if we put all of the different Gospels together, we know that Jesus spoke seven different times that are recorded in the Gospels for us on the cross. These words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, are most likely Jesus' last words, following right on the heels of what he said just before this, it is finished. Jesus is reminding us of what he came to this earth to do, what his crossbound mission was all about, to pay the penalty for our sins. But do you see? Do you see Jesus' love for us in these words? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was giving up his life willingly. He was willingly taking on the suffering that, that we should have had and he's taking it himself to make the payment for our sins. That's Jesus' purpose. That's why he came to this earth, to do the will of his Father, to take on the sins of every single person and there on the cross pay the necessary price. That's amazing in and of itself that, that Jesus would come to earth and, and take on the sins of the whole world. But, but think about this. Jesus, true God and true man, fully God and fully human, was on that cross and he breathed his last. God died on that cross. How in the world can we call this Friday good when Jesus dies on the cross? But you know. You know the answer to that question, don't you? You know that we can call it good because of what Jesus was doing on that cross because he gave his life into death so that you and I would have life. One last point that Luke makes in this section. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Again, in Matthew's gospel, we get a little different comment from the centurion when he says this, Surely this man was the son of God. So much in that statement from the centurion. We're not told, but it sure seems like the centurion observed the six hours that Jesus had been at that crucifixion site from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. He saw the darkness. He heard the words of Jesus as nails were driven into his hands. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He heard Jesus give John, the disciple whom he loved, care of his mother, you heard Jesus speak to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know when it dawned on this centurion that something remarkable was happening on the cross. But when Jesus died, he makes a very clear confession of his faith. He gives testimony that still matters to us today. Surely this was a righteous man. I do appreciate the word that the centurion chose, that Jesus was a righteous man because that's what we needed. We needed someone who could come between us and God, 
who, who could live the life that we couldn't live, a life of holiness, a life without sin, the righteousness that God demands, Jesus fulfilled. And then he did go to that cross willingly to take on our sins so that our payment for sin is made complete and God's justice is satisfied. This is what's good about Good Friday. As you sit here today, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every sin is forgiven because it was paid for on that cross. You are righteous and holy in God's eyes, not because you've been able to live that life, but because the righteous Jesus, the Son of God, lived that life for you. And yes, even though it's Good Friday and we're still a little bit away from celebrating Jesus' resurrection, we can anticipate with joy that Jesus isn't staying in the grave. Yes, he dies on Good Friday, but we know that the grave can't hold him. And when we celebrate again on Sunday the joy of Jesus' resurrection, it's our assurance of what Jesus came to this earth to do, to forgive us and win for us a life with him forever in heaven. It's what Paul wants to encourage us to understand when he wrote this in Romans chapter 4. He, Jesus, was handed over to death because of our trespasses and was raised to life because of our justification. It's Jesus' resurrection that is our reminder that God has declared us not guilty and heirs of life with him forever. Two things for you to take away from our Good Friday service today. Number one, Jesus changes darkness to light and reverses our separation from God. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 that you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Number two, Jesus willingly died, a righteous person, so that we will live forever in the joy and righteousness of heaven. Paul says in Romans 5, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what's so good about Good Friday? What's so good about watching Jesus die on a cross? You know, it's the payment for all of your sins. A few years ago, I was introduced to this video called What's So Good About Good Friday? And maybe some of you have seen it. It usually makes its rounds on social media about around this time of year. But it's worth watching. It's about five minutes long, so just bear with me as we watch What's So Good About Good Friday? Amen. <laughs> 